Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Clean Air and our special mini-series on Canfield's new global network of Chief Ergonomic Officers. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Joining us today is a man who has been making headlines recently for testing chess experts and how they perform when air quality is lower. He is an associate professor at the School of Business and Economics at Maastricht University, where one of his research interests is the effects of indoor environmental conditions on human health, cognition, and how it affects the labour market. Let's find out more about the quality of the air around us and how it affects our strategic decision-making process with Stefan Kuhn. Stefan, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Can I ask, firstly, what is it? Because you have a very great interest and a passion for indoor environmental conditions and their effect on our health. Why do you feel like that? Well, as you say, I'm a labor economist, so I'm interested in labor markets and the functioning of of workers and firms and how they match and, and, you know, the performance of workers. And I came across a while ago a very strong literature on the effect of environmental conditions, in particular air pollution, you know, because of particular meta pollution, ozone and other pollutants, and how it affects the human health. So there's strong evidence that this really has harmful effects for our cardiovascular and respiratory health. And they find that there is a strong effect also on, you know, labor supply, on physical activity of workers. So if there's more polluted day, then, you know, there is less output by uh, workers uh, executing uh, particular physical tasks. And in labor economics, at the same time, there's another stream of literature showing that because of technological change, it becomes more and more important that cognitive work or the, the, the role of cognitive workers in the labor market is increasing over time. And that was also something that uh, was very interesting to me, is that they show this in areas of the world where we would assume, actually, that we basically breathe clean air. Usually people think about pollution, thinking about Asia or India, where you could really see the pollution also. While here in in Western or more industrialized countries, we usually think we, we have kind of a clear air. That's mainly the perception of a lot of people. And that was really um, interesting for me to see that these studies have been conducted in such countries where we actually think we, we breathe clean air. So all these effects on health and also on productivity of, of workers, they, um, they occur on quite moderate levels of air pollution. And that was quite interesting and, and shocking to me. And I wanted to know more about this. So I asked myself on how does environmental condition and air pollution actually affect the performance of professionals of of uh, myself as a researcher or, you know, you or uh, doctors or whatever. So cog- more cognitive workers who are performing more cognitive tasks in, in, in the workplace. And this is how I got interested uh, in the topic. So taking all of this into account, Stefan, I think it's brilliant that you kind of went, okay, so people are working using their brains and their and their minds, and then the quality of air is going to affect this. Where can we test this? Yeah. Well, <laughs> where did you get the idea of the chess tournament? Exactly. That's the point. So we so we were in the first place, we were not, of course, not interested in chess. What we were interested as labor economists are what is the impact of cognitive workers in the workplace? Professionals, doctors, managers, lawyers on these professionals. Well, then it's super difficult if you want to do this in an empirical study, you have to quantify the outcome. So you have to quantify the outcome of the cognitive task. 
yeah. So how do you quantify the outcome of a lawyer? How do you quantify the outcome of a scientist like me? It's it's almost impossible to measure this in a in an objective way. So that's why we went, we came up with the idea of chess, because chess combines two very important properties here. And the first is chess is a highly cognitive task. So the performance of the player depends on their cognitive ability. And that's combined with the strategic decision making. So there's a lot of backward induction. So they have to think ahead uh, multiple steps in order to, to decide on the, on the move that they want to do. Well, that is very close. If we think also about managerial tasks, about lawyers, about, you know, uh, other professionals in the labor market. So that's was a nice feature. And then uh, in contrast to our problem in the labor market that we cannot quantify the outcome of, of cognitive workers, for chess, we can, because chess can be solved mathematically. So if you have, you know, enough computational power and time, you can solve, you know, that you can solve that game. That helps us to determine the performance of the players based on a very objective measure, which is uh, analyzing the moves that they made. So let me ask you then, what level of chess player were you dealing with? Which kind of uh, tournaments were you uh, making this study in? Yeah. So we started with our main tournament that we used also in our paper that we always call the main tournament. That's how the whole thing started. So we went to um, a larger city in, uh, in Germany. Uh, and there we had the collaboration with a chess club. And this chess club consisting of amateur players. And then we have from beginners to, uh, I think that the highest category was like kind of a feedy, feedy master. So it's a bit of an advanced level, but not super, super high levels of chess players. So kind of amateur players. Um, and they have um, a tournament, their main tournament once a year, always in the spring. And then they play this for, for eight weeks. Uh, and they meet every Monday um, evening at 6 p.m. And then they play the rounds for eight weeks. And then the tournament is, is, is finished. And was this the only chess event that you ran the experiment at or did you uh, work at others as well? Yeah, so we, we started with this with this tournament and then we went there and we had the opportunity to also install the sensors uh, basically next to the players. That was a huge advantage. So we could really monitor the exact uh, exposure to the air quality or the pollution of the players while playing. That was a huge advantage of this tournament. However, a disadvantage of this tournament is, of course, it's only one tournament and it's only amateur players and it's only one city uh, uh, in Germany. So then, of course, it questions how valid are our results. So can we also, you know, use the findings in order to make conclusions for other games and, you know, for also more advanced players. So that's why we extended our analysis by also analyzing uh, the results of the first league, chess league in Germany. It's one of the best leagues in, uh, in the world. And these chess leagues, they play, uh, um, they have seasons and then they play um, all the clubs in this first league. The chess also is also called the Bundesliga, similar to the, to the soccer, to the soccer league. It's a chess Bundesliga uh, in Germany and they play at different places at different times. Um, and we analyzed um, the games of, of, all the games played in the Bundesliga in uh, 2003 uh, until 2019. 
So all these years, we analyzed all the games that have been played in the Bundesliga and to validate our findings that we produced in the first place based on the small tournament that we actually observed. And we could do this because in that small tournament that we analyzed, our main, our main you know, uh, tournament that we, where we installed the centers indoor, we showed with this that we could actually reproduce our results by using the measurements that come from an outdoor sensor. So we have also next to the main tournament, we had the indoor sensors and we had an outdoor public sensor and we could replicate the results on the small chess tournament with the outdoor sensors. And because of this, we could then use the Bundesliga data because in the Bundesliga data, of course, we don't have the indoor measurements, but we have for all cities where they, uh, where they played the Bundesliga, we have the outdoor measurements and that we could use to uh, replicate our results. So you were monitoring the quality of the air outdoors and indoors yeah. uh, and right beside the player. What were you using to monitor the air quality beside the player? Well, so we used in the main tournament where we installed the sensors indoor, we used just, you know, regular commercial indoor sensors that you could that you can buy also, you know, via Amazon or or there are different providers. And we installed three of the sensors to have a bit of a quality check so that we can see they measure correctly. For the outdoor sensors, well, that we made use of publicly available measurements. So the cities or the states, they have a public mandate to also for the air pollution outside to comply with the European standards and to report also to the European Union that, you know, the levels of pollution in, in every region. And these sensors are continuously monitoring the air quality. Maybe some people see this next to the street or, you know, next to different public places. And these data are publicly available and you can just download this from the, from the public authorities. And that, that we did. So we have a really good measurement of the quality of the air. How did you monitor the performance of the players? Yeah, the performance of the players. So we made use of a chess engine. And just to keep things simple, the main idea is that the chess engine, which basically outperforms every human player currently, that's uh, uh, by far. So in terms of uh, the, the performance of the chess engine to, to win games, so we, we knew from the chess tournaments all the moves that have been played. So in an official chess tournament, every move has to be documented and we got this documentation, we digitalized them, and then we put these moves that have been played into the chess engine. And the chess engine gives you an evaluation for every move. Saying, let's say, if they would made the move that the chess engine suggested, they would have received a value of one. Yeah, But they made maybe a move uh, a different move, and that resulted in 0.5. And then we can, the difference of the two gives you kind of an error measure. That's, that's the basic idea, what, what we did. So it sounds like you had a huge data set then to examine. Yes. So um, we had thousands of moves to analyze. So for example, for this, our main tournament, where we installed the indoor centers, we had a, a, around 30,000 moves that we could analyze. In the Bundesliga data, where we observed multiple years and then also multiple tournaments, uh, we had around, around 100,000 moves that we analyzed. So that takes out a bit of time for the Jazz engine to uh, uh, evaluate each of the moves and, and give a prediction for the optimal move and then also an evaluation of the actual move so that we can calculate the error. We live in a world where we are familiar with A-B comparison. 
Were you able to do an A-B comparison where you could take a, a player in one set of air quality and monitor his performance and then take that same player and monitor his, his performance in a different air quality situation? Yeah, that's that's exactly basically the the basic idea of our of our empirical identification. So how do we actually estimate the effect of you know an increase or a decrease in air pollution on the performance of the player? Well, the basic idea, as you just said, is that we observe the player playing you know at the same stage of the game at the same time of the day against a comparable op- opponent. And then under varying uh, levels of air pollution, because we observe them at different playing at different days at different locations. So we have the same player, you know, keeping up, trying to keep everything else constant. And then the only thing that we argue is, uh, is different is the, the level of pollution. It's kind of a lab setting that we exploit. And just to be clear, you did not deliberately affect the air quality in the rooms yourself. No, of course. I mean, that's also the big thing. That's also an issue because uh, preventing a bit of lab studies, because it's unethical to change the levels of, of air pollution, in particular to increase the air pollution to see what happens to, to people's behavior. That's unethical because we know, you know, exposure, exposing you to more fine particular metal pollution is, do something, is doing something to your body. No discussion. It will happen something and that is uh, harming your body. So we cannot, in particular, increase air pollution and put people in the lab. That we didn't do. We just explored the natural variation. And believe me, there's a lot of variation across days, within a day. And you don't notice, but the sensors notice. Fascinating how you put it all together and the amount of data that you must have had to go through. But you eventually crunched it all and the results are... Amazing. Tell me what you found. Well, yeah. So uh, we find, you know, first of all, we find very consistent, and that was also surprising for us, coherent results across the different data sources. So we started with the main tournament, and then in the main tournament, we see that, for example, a, a 10 microgram increase uh, per cubic meter increase in fine particular metal pollution, which is, you know, about one standard deviation in our sample. That means that is something you experience every day in a larger European city. Every day you have these exposed to these, these variations. So if that happens, a 10 microgram increase, uh, per cubic meter increase in fine particular matter pollution increased the probability to make a meaningful error in a move by about 26%. So then the probability to make, to make a move increased on average by 26%. So uh, making it more likely that players yeah, make these mistakes. And then, of course, that was in the main tournament. And then we took that to the Bundesliga to verify that. And that was really surprising. We see very similar patterns. So that made, made us also convinced that apparently there is a clear effect of uh, fine particular matter pollution on our cognitive performance. And we see smaller effect. And the effect is not 26, but around a 10% increase in uh, the probability to make a meaningful error. But that's also what we see in the effect originality analysis, that the effect seems to be largest for weaker players. And in the Bundesliga, on average, they are much stronger than in the amateur. So they are more professionals, they're more trained. So they are less affected by the the outside conditions compared to the amateur players who are less, less experienced. So that's very interesting. When you have uh, like a normal person, uh, the performance is degraded 
even more, whereas you have somebody who is at the top of their game. And I would think so, any professional or a professional athlete and stuff like that, it's not so much of a dip in performance. Yeah, that's what we see for chess players. That I can confirm for chess players. That is what, what we find. But may I, if I may, I, I also want to say, you know, these are average effects. These effects become, and we also see, and that's something we exploit in, this, in the chess game. It's a nice feature that these players have a time control. So they have to, um, have to make the first 40 moves within 110 minutes. They don't do this, they lose the game. So, and we see also that there's a lot of, and if you talk to chess players, and that's also what we see in our in our data, if if they get closer to the move 40, they take less time to make moves, just to make sure that they have these 40s move, and then they get additional time and to finish the game. There's an element of pressure. Exactly. The closer you get to the 40s move, we can assume there is more time pressure for the chess players, and that's what we also look into. So we, we split the game into different move intervals to see whether the effect varies over the game. And we see that effect is basically zero in the beginning of the game, but the effect becomes strongly and, and, and highest just before the time control of, of uh, at the 40s move. Then we can conclude apparently that effect is even larger of air pollution or mainly driven also when they have to act under time pressure, when they have to take the decisions under time pressure, then the air pollution really kicks in. That's chess players, as you say. And you have an interest in applying this information into the workplace. So where do you see this applying then in a workplace scenario? Well, that is an, uh, a very good question that we also still have for ourselves. While that question is not on, from a scientific point of view, I cannot give you an answer based on that paper. Because the only thing we can say on that paper is chess, the behavior of chess players and the performance of chess players is affected by pollution. Well, of course, we can make then everybody has to make his or her own conclusions from this. And then also depends a bit how close is the task that the worker performs, how close is that to the task of chess players, how demanding is that cognitive task? So all of these considerations have to be taken into account in order to make conclusions for the workplace based on our chess paper. And I'm, it would be non-scientific to make that conclusions from a scientific point of view, but all of us can think about this for yourself, how much we can learn. That's why we want to bring it now from the, the lab, the chess lab, to the workplace. We are also looking into the effects of, uh, in, in work settings. Uh, just one example, what we're currently looking at is the behavior of unemployed individuals. So if you are unemployed looking for a job, then you have to make decisions based on what type of jobs you're looking for. And in particular, also what type of wage do you expect? And we know from, uh, from our paper that apparently pollution affects our cognition. And we know from behavioral sciences that cognition is a huge determinant of time preferences, risk preferences. And from that angle, we now think, or we have the hypothesis, that pollution might adjust or affect the behavior of unemployed individuals in terms of wage setting. So their expe expectations, what they want to earn. Now, for example, there's more pollution, people become more risk averse because they do not look so much into the future. They cannot anticipate very well because the cognition is impaired. They are more risk averse. They want to have employer better today than tomorrow. 
And that's why they might be willing to reduce their wages that they're willing to accept in order to find a job. And we have some first evidence where we see that apparently that mechanism works for unemployed workers in a European country. Yeah, so we now do this for Germany, but we're also looking at other countries that apparently pollution does something to the decision by unemployed workers. So harming already the most vulnerable at the workplace to, to, to some degree. So that's now one of the first attempts to bring it to the workplace, but, but there, there will be more in the future, not only by us, but also many other labor economists. A lot of people who listen to our podcast want to improve the air quality in the workplace that they are in at the moment. How can they get this research and use it to change management thinking, if you, if you want, around our own office environment? So if you take our research very serious and you think your, your managers or your employees performing highly cognitive tasks, then the main conclusion from our, from our paper, but also other you know, science and journals, create a clean environment, a clean working environment. Stefan, it's been absolutely fascinating to hear about your experiment with chess players and to see such a, a dramatic deterioration in their performance, 10% to 26%. Uh, and I think it just proves to ourselves that the quality of the air can affect your own performance at work. And therefore, if you improve the quality of the air, then you improve things uh, all over. That's what I'm getting out of it. Thank you so, so much for sharing your research with us today on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure. Thank you. If you would like to find out more about this, just go to www.chiefergonomicsofficer.com where you can learn more and join in our initiative as well. And there's a LinkedIn group as well, which you're welcome to join us on also. Links for both of those and a link to Stefan's uh, work paper as well are in the show notes for you right now, which you'll find in the description area of this podcast on your podcast player. Do join us next time as we keep you up to date with the latest issues on our Let's Talk Clean Air podcast. To get it automatically, just click the follow button on your player right now. Until next time, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening.